Hello and welcome back to The Brunch Files, where we serve up bottomless brunch-worthy topics about life in your 30s. My name's Tegan and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Rachel. And on the menu today, we are talking all about the workplace. So we're going to discuss how it's changed post-pandemic and what younger generations, specifically millennials and Gen Zs, are wanting from their workplace both now and into the future. So we actually started talking about doing a podcast episode on corporate jargon and, you know, all the terms and the um, the stuff that we encounter every day working in corporate workplaces. And then we sort of were talking about, um, obviously, earlier this month, the Australian government passed new legislation uh, protecting employees' rights to disconnect. And it just opened up this broader conversation about what do we want from our workplaces and um, how, yeah, as Tegan said, how have they changed? Uh, so, yeah, we, we thought we'd get st- stuck into a little bit deeper than just the jargon. Yeah, I think it's also a bit of a timely discussion as well because, you know, millennials now aren't, you know, we're not in our teens and early 20s. So a lot of millennials now moving into middle management or even upper management in corporate in corporates and other workplaces so I think there we are sort of probably on this shift and maybe that was accelerated a little bit by the pandemic but I think we are going to start seeing their thoughts views and perspectives on work and what they want to then put down onto more junior employees mm-hmm. and that sort of thing change particularly as Gen Z's and sorry not Gen Gen X's and what's boom, next yeah <laughs> yeah Gen X's and um, baby boomers start to retire and you know mm. or start to step back and the impact that's going to have on the culture um, of you know the average workplace going forward mm. so I guess yeah this legislation um, with uh, in essence is about giving workers the right to ignore out of hours calls and emails without being penalised uh, other changes include a right for some casual workers to seek permanence and um, also some stuff around minimum standards for gig workers which is really great mm. um, but the le- new legislation could also mean that if an employee raises concerns regarding an employer's continuous contact um, outside of work hours that the employer could actually be fined. Yeah, that's right. It's about 18 grand. That's decent. A hefty fine. Uh, but essentially the laws amend the Fair Work Act, Act and they give employees the right to switch off. Um, and so it has to be a legitimate reason and there is, you know, some grey area that's going to fall in there around what's reasonable contact out of work hours. But essentially this whole law and this idea around the right to disconnect stems from the recognition that with modern technology, it really blurs the boundaries between work and personal life. And basically with the ability for people to work remotely, which you know is great, it means that employees are increasingly finding themselves engaged in work-related communications beyond traditional office hours. And this has just been exacerbated by the pandemic and is really leading to concerns around stress and burnout amongst workers. And let's talk about that in a second, but back to the legislation. What are your thoughts on this? Like I think um, in theory, great. Some stuff, you know, I think needed to be done. I... I think there's probably a lot that uh, is is a grey area, as you said, in terms of um, what is going to be classified reasonable. Mm. And I think it probably just depends so much on what your job is, what is in your contract, what are you paid for? Like I've been paid allowances for a, you know, quote unquote reasonable amount of overtime. Mm. What is reasonable? Who Mm. makes that call? Mm. Um, Like I've certainly done jobs where I've been on 24-7 and, Mm. you know, you are remunerated um, accordingly for that, but mm. there's going to be jobs where this just cannot be a thing, and I think it uh, it will not really apply. I suppose. I mean, yes, but I suppose yeah. it could. That's the th- that's the danger. Yeah. Employees. I remember I was listening to a podcast. I think it might have been the seven a.m. podcast, and they had a um, a legal expert talking about this law and essentially how a lot of the way it's going to be implied is going to be based on 
people actually bringing an action against their employers and then mm. work, looking at their individual employment agreements um, and then sort of making an assessment based on that. Mm. But, yeah, it's going to like – it's going to exist in this sort of grey space. Mm. And I think it's, yeah, it probably is more defined for people who like maybe are shift workers or things yeah. like that that's out, that are hourly defined. It might be easier. Salaried workers could be really difficult. Mm. I know a lot of employment contracts I've signed in the past do say that within your salary there's an expectation of reasonable overtime. Mm. There's never really any discussion about what reasonable, what is reasonable entails. So I feel like this would be kind of similar. I guess it's really, though, to make – I mean, I think – it's a positive step because at the end of the day, I think if it makes an employer or a, or a boss or a manager think twice mm-hmm. before they then interrupt a person's out of work time. Is this important time. enough? Yeah, and there were some stats around this, around like the amount of unpaid t- time that mm. people are doing outside of work. It can be like up to $11,000 a year worth mm-hmm. of time. Like it's, not, it's difficult to quantify, but it can be significant, and I guess. And is that reasonable based no, on that contract? You're getting your little so. loading for that, but yeah, mm. yeah exactly. And <laughs> break the, it down to an hourly rate. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I feel that at face value, I think it's a positive step to protecting people's yeah life outside of work and work life balance and mental health and minimizing burnout and that sort of thing Mm. so back to then I guess where this might have stemmed from and obviously this new ability to work remotely uh COVID working from home all of that what were your experiences with that did you go from being in the office five days to then suddenly working from home and then how have you transitioned back in your work life my team pivoted really early um, in the pandemic to working from home. I remember it was kind of like we were going to do one d- – when it was all starting to go to a bit to shit and COVID was coming out of <laughs> the woodwork and, and no, no one, one knew what was, was going, going on. on. And we were watching Italy and all those countries going to lockdown. We sort of did a day from home where it was like, let's do a bit of a test. Let's have everyone work from home and like see if we can do it. It's funny to think you were literally like, how is this going to work? Will it I know, work? I know, I know. Yeah, we all have – laptops and everyone would still we always had there was an agreement that you could sort of work from home a lot of people had one day a week or one day a fortnight so I think people were enabled to do that but it was very much like office first and there was never a case where everyone was remote um but yeah it was kind of we did that for a day and then after that it was like we sort of never went back because then people was kind of like well do we feel that we need to people feeling comfortable to come back there was a press conference every night freaking us out (laughs) yeah and then we went through a phase of long long stints of working from home coming in now and then um, and now in my current job, I sort of, it's probably 50, 50. I reckon I spend five days a fortnight in the mm-hmm. office, five days a fortnight at home, but it's not, we're expected to have a presence mm-hmm. an in-person presence, <laughs> uh, but there's no like firm, hard mandates, but I've got friends and family members and things whose workplaces are like back full face to face five days a week. How did you find it though? Do you like working from home? How, I mean, COVID was kind of different. Lockdowns mm. were different in that it wasn't like, yay, I get to work from home. It was like, oh my goodness, I ne- I'm never seeing anyone. It's awful. Mm. Yeah, how did you find it? Uh, I think it, it had a novelty at the beginning. Mm. But now, I, I mean, I like having a balance. I think I really try and spend often Mondays and Fridays at home. And I, I like that time. Mm. I find that... I don't think I would want to go back to being in the office five days a week. It just feels unnecessary. You also have a decent commute. Like it's it's really an hour yeah. like, to get there. But I find if I have home. sort of more than three days in a row at home, I'm sort of itching. I'm Climbing like, the I walls. Need to get, I need to get out. So, yeah, I think I'm all for a balance, but I don't think I'd ever want to go back to being five days mm. in the office. It feels – yeah, it just feels not necessary insofar as my job. I need internet connection and a computer yeah. and I can do my job from anywhere. Mm-hmm. 
So it's kind of like, well, is it necessary to be in five days a week? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. How about you? What was your experience through COVID and then now? Well, I was travelling a lot for work. Like I was home probably less than half the year at the time. So I went from a very fast-paced uh, sort of lifestyle where I was travelling on planes like, you know, three times a week or whatever and suddenly we were locked down and I was at home. And because I was working between Melbourne and Canberra at the time, I kind of had to make the call about whether I would uh, position myself in Melbourne or Canberra. If I'd done Canberra, I would have had to do the two-week hotel quarantine. And Andrew was at home and he'd have been um, living by himself. We just relocated to the area we're in now. Didn't really know anyone around. So his family were at least two hours away. We couldn't see them anyway, but we just didn't have, you know, no one in the 5K bubble. Mm. And so made the call to stay in Melbourne rather than um, sort of place myself in Canberra. And I'm glad I did that because um, obviously that time together was important. We, we kind of kept each other sane. We had a really special time in lockdowns and um, tried to be as creative as we could and, and you know, not get too bored. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I really, really struggled. I had never worked from home before. Besides, mm. well, I mean, I had on, on off times like back from Canberra and stuff like that here and there, but it was always like, okay, I'm going away again in two days. So that was very welcome. Mm. Whereas this was like, there's no end in sight. I'm sitting in a room by myself to the point that when um, lockdowns ended, I actually moved my office, swapped it with the spare room to be in a different room of the house because that whole room was just like tainted for me mm. with this like lonely uh, working from home existence, I guess. Uh, then uh, working a different job and I probably had similar to you, like five days a fortnight, I'd go in two or three days a week. Uh, same. If I, I love a day at home, maybe like um, and definitely Friday it was always nice to just be at home. But a couple of days in a row and I would start to like climb the walls and Mm. wanted to be around people. I love to be around people. And uh, so I really enjoyed that balance. Mm. Uh, And then the current job I'm in, it is basically fully remote. I can go in, um, but my team's not really there anyway because they're spread around the country. So it's not like going in and being with your team. Mm. Um, And took me a while. I was like, oh, I kind of hate this. Like I want to have a team around me. I want to be in the office. But now I've adjusted to it. And I'm so busy outside of work and I'm doing my fitness coaching before and after, you know, before and after the nine to five. And I'm just so busy that I'm really valuing that flexibility and being Mm. able to do it. And if I did um, have to start going back in even two or three days a week, I'd really have to shift some of those extracurricular activities. Mm. So um, I guess, yeah, I've had the full gamut of hating it, loving it. Being yeah. somewhere in the middle. But in theory, if I was to just kind of summarise what I think about it, I think balance is good. I love yeah. to – I think there's something that you cannot uh, cannot be made up for uh, from being in the – like by being in the office. So um, you don't have that kind of camaraderie, that discussion, ideas. Mm. And I just feel energised when I'm around people. I think I'm more productive. I'm more fired up about stuff when I have those days in the office. So mm. I think overall – I do like the idea of a balance where you've got some time at home, some time in the office. That was a very long-winded answer. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think as well what you're saying about balance is really important because I, I do think having that in-person presence, to use that term, is important because I think if I'm, I feel like working from home came at a good time in my career in that, you know, you'd had those sort of formative years doing the nine-to-five grind and, you know, the physical workplace and all of that sort of stuff. But I felt if I was starting now – as a more junior employee or just starting my career and you were going into a workplace where everyone is at home, who do you ask questions? Who do you go to? Where do you don't hear those side or those, you know, water cooler, quote unquote, um, conversations of people in the corridor and just the things you sort of absorb just by people sitting around you and that you learn about an organisation and about a workplace and meeting people and that sort of thing. So I feel that it could be really challenging 
if you're starting now. Um, but yeah, so I think having that that balance is is really important because I think yeah, otherwise, how do you learn some of that stuff? Because it's so much more scary uh-huh. to send someone a Teams message or call them out of the blue than if you're just sitting next to them to say, hey, yep. I heard you talking about blah, blah, blah. Would you mind if I just ask you a quick question? Mm-hmm. And it feels like a bigger deal. Or yeah. Listen to an email or make a meeting. Yeah, it feels more just, formal. Yeah, asking a question. And the other the other downside is if you're not in and you're not meeting people in the office, so when you walk in it can feel quite isolating. You can feel a bit like, oh, I actually don't know these people. Um, particularly if you, if, you know, it's an organisation where you're just working with a few people and like I said, like my team isn't really there. So uh, you have to then really put yourself out there to be like, where am I going to sit? Especially if it's hot desk and you sit wherever, can feel quite uncomfortable and you might even avoid going in because mm. you don't have that set place to sit with your team around you or you, it's not a regular thing or you go in and no one else in your team has mm. gone in. Or So like I kind of, I mean, you know, I hate the term anchor day. Um, it's another one of those corporate jargons <laughs> that I'm talking about, but like it, it kind of makes sense. You know, you ha- mm. have your team around you for those couple of days and it's the same day you can come together build that camaraderie that kind of thing yeah it's interesting yeah so as part of our prep for this episode we looked at a new survey that has come out from Deloitte which is one of the big for for consulting global consulting firms Um, they did a survey of 22,000 young people from 44 countries and it basically examined their shifting relationship with work and how they continue to make lifestyle and career-based decisions around their values Um, and, you know, that the survey essentially underscored continuing concerns around finances, climate change and mental health. But on the work-life balance, working from home thing, 75% of respondents to that survey said that if they were asked to come back five days per week, that they would consider looking for another job. So I think Mm. that's pretty telling. It is. Um, Because last year, a lot of places came out, I know the banks and things came out saying, we're going to ask people back three days Mm. a week, and that was met with a bit of backlash. I just can't see it. I would hope five days coming back to five days a week, but it'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, so basically both um, Gen Z and millennials reported a better work-life balance than pre-pandemic. And that was attributed to the hybrid work arrangements. Mm. So basically there's so many benefits to that. Um, biggest concerns uh, were, well, surprise, surprise, cost of living with mm. 35% of Gen Z, 42% of millennials really worried about price increases on things like food and rent. I mean, aren't we all? Mm. Half of respondents said they are living paycheck to paycheck and taking on side jobs to make ends meet which is really scary yeah that's terrifying. a lot of people I think the cost of living debate is so interesting because I was reading something recently it's being very government heavy today but obviously with the changes coming to the stage three tax cut mm. package I was reading um again I can't it might have been in the Saturday paper actually and they were talking about just the percentage of tax that young people pay and because when our parents were young like the GST only came in I think in the 90s or was it the 90s I might be wrong there but (laughs) I feel like it was it's not that really not that long ago so a lot of people when they were younger around our age they weren't paying a goods and services tax on food 37% of tax yeah about pay like our pay is taxed so highly yes and because our tax and the tax brackets aren't they don't increase with inflation they're not Mm -hmm. indexed to it so basically bracket creep you know every yep. year you get paid a little bit more but the tax bracket doesn't shift so mm-hmm. proportionally more and more workers move into higher tax brackets so there was it was saying that basically yeah the percentage of tax that young people pay with the GST and the income tax is can be up to like 50% of your income yep. for some I believe people. it and also add hex in and how yeah. like the changes there as well the yeah. pressure that that you know, is putting yeah. on younger generations yeah. is huge. Such a side, a little bit of a sidebar, but I thought yeah. it was interesting no, in the is. context of that debate. Yeah, and so I think um, economic uncertainty means that uh, 
Gen Z and millennials are postponing big life decisions. So marriage, kids, buying a home, a lot of thinking, can, when will I be able to afford a home, have a child, all those things. And that that always on workplace culture was causing a lot of stress and anxiety with 70% of respondents sending emails and messages out of hours at least once per week. And I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that that new law that's been passed and it's, it's met, been met with a bit of criticism by people saying, oh, it's going to do away with overtime and all of these different things and that, you know, bosses are going to not going to be able to ask an employee about a shift change or anything out mm. of hours. And I think it just goes back to that reasonable point. But, you know, seven out of 10 people who responded to the survey are saying at least once a week. So there'd be more, many yeah. more in that, many in that bucket that are doing many, much more than that, mm-hmm. um, are sending emails and messages out of hours at least once per week. I mm. feel like, is that reasonable? I don't know. And interestingly, so young people have embraced, um, you know, that hybrid work but uh, are feeling more stressed. So there's um, a lot of other pressures. And obviously that's cost of living and other things. It's not just work. But, Mm. you know, poor Gen Z and millennials, we're all stressing. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it just goes to talk about, like, what is the future of – particularly, I guess, when we're talking about this, it's more of, like, the corporate workplace because not every workplace is the same. If you're a shift worker or you're working in a hospital Mm. or emergency services or something like that, it's going to look very different because the way it's governed is very different. Can't really work from home if you're a paramedic. No, (laughs) no. But I guess we we had sort of had a bit of a discussion about what are some of the things that we find most frustrating Mm -hmm. about corporate workplaces currently and as millennials ourselves, what are the sorts of things that we would like to see – in the sort of next evolution, I guess, of the workplace. Mm. And as we move up the corporate ladder, hopefully, um, what are the sorts of like, yeah, practices and things that we'd want to employ and and changes that we'd want to see? Yeah. So first off, we were talking about being really busy, but filled, that time is being filled with low value work. So busy work, but it's low value work. Yeah, I think all busy work is low value work. (laughs) I feel like a lot of people spend majority of their days doing busy work mm-hmm. like what are some of the things you would you would give as an example well how do you explain busy work to someone that maybe doesn't work in a corporate uh, i think uh, probably things like just having a meeting for everything oh yep yep like just i don't know there's people who just literally will have a meeting for they'll put in a 30 minute meeting to have a five minute chat and it's mm-hmm. kind of like this could have just been an email like yep. you don't need to and then people they're the sorts of people as well that then complain that all they do is go to meetings uh-huh. have no like, time oh i'm to do so their work. busy i was in meetings all yes. day it's like how many of those did you put in that you really probably could have just picked up the phone or sent yes. an email yes i also think things that fall into that sort of bucket of things like you know, unnecessarily work dives, work, work dives, workshops and deep dives. So basically just like really long meetings uh-huh. to talk about a whole bunch of stuff in the first 20 minutes inevitably gets wasted mm-hmm. because it's one of those things that what is, there's a certain principle, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a principle that basically says like time, a task will expand to yes, take yeah. up the amount of time that you allow. I think that is so true. And you so set a time frame on something, you could do it in 20 minutes. If you give yourself an hour, it'll take you an hour. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like those sorts of things are often just like big time wasters. It's Mm -hmm. like two and a half hours out of people's day. Not everyone that's often in those meetings needs to be there or Mm -hmm. is actually going to be taking any actions from that meeting or work to actually be done. So you've Mm -hmm. just wasted two hours of their time. And then the epitome of these sorts of things like team days and strategy days and (laughs) off-sites and things like that, that they can be really good, Mm -hmm. but often you kind of go and you have a big discussion about all of these different things and things you want to do and then you get back to work the next day and it's like, oh, they'll put it in the drawer. 
dust they it off next time around. <laughs> yeah, and you spend time with your giant sticky notes or your whiteboards and you're brainstorming and you're having breakouts and rooms mm. and you're discussing things and you're coming up with your team values and your strategy. And mm-hmm. that is, I mean, that, that there is a place for that, mm. but it's it's how is that then used in day-to-day in your work to improve culture, to improve um, work outputs, all that kind of stuff. Mm. A lot of the time it's kind of like, let's tick that box. On, yeah, it's on lip service. Yep. Like we did it. Yeah, that's it. We gave you free lunch. <laughs> Oh my gosh, on that, Andrew went to, had to do training for work recently and they were asked to pay $30 for their lunch for this training day and everyone was kind of like, really? Like this is workplace training. They dropped it to $15 so everyone was like, cool, okay. They got a tiny little scone and instant coffee. What? <laughs> this is work. Who this has is to work pay for place? their own lunch for a workplace training? Like, that's that's ridiculous. Anyway, um, another thing that I think really bugs me is like having to log tickets for everything. Yeah, we um, did talk about that. We in did. That I know. Episode. I feel like that's a big ick for me. I know I've spoken about it before, but it's even things like claiming back workplace expenses and how cumbersome and tedious, diffi- tedious and difficult mm. that process can be. It's like it's like a barrier almost. It make they make it harder for you to do it. Mm. Like, Sometimes should- even logging leave can be yes. like these like workplace management type systems mm. are just really complicated. And then if you're someone that manages someone and you, you have to go in there and log your mm-hmm. own stuff, and then you also have to approve yeah, and log their other stuff. That. Like just the amount of unnecessary. Admin. Yes. And you know what? Every time I want to log into to my one at work, it's it's locked for the payroll cycle. I don't know what it is, but like they it shuts down for like four days before what? payday. And like you can't log in, look at your leave, look at anything. Oh and gosh. it's just so annoying. So that like just ridiculous. But even like, yeah, logging tickets for something when I don't know, can you send an email? Can you pick up the phone to IT? Mm. Just be like, can you fix this problem? No, no, let's log a ticket. Let's spend mm. 10 minutes doing that. I get that they need workflow. Uh, tools and that it probably makes our health life and safety and things like yeah, that Yeah, but like some things it's like really must we mm. yeah I also think just process for process sake process sake is so frustrating so like some workplaces like governance and procedure is just such a big deal and they have you know a 10 page uh-huh. quick reference guide for every how to do everything and can you imagine the time it took someone to even put those guides yes, together that's busy, busy work, work. <laughs> <laughs> and but just like sometimes you can spend your whole day talking about what you're doing instead of actually doing it and that does my head in We've, mm. like maybe you've got a morning check-in an evening an afternoon check-in you have a log of work or a work in progress doc that you're having to update mm. at all times make sure it's in the log and you can just spend so much time talking about what you're doing instead mm. of actually getting it done yeah or sometimes this is when I actually am a fan of a meeting I've worked in a workplaces previously where to get you know obviously there can be a core team and then you might reach out to other teams to get support and you have to like fill out a form and like mm. detail your request and feel like this you know just I hate to be able to, yeah and it's like honestly if I had a 10 minute 15 minute call with whoever's going to do mm-hmm. the work then I could save myself the 20 minutes of filling out with this form with a whole bunch of information that you probably don't actually need to know and then inevitably have to follow up with the phone call anyway because yeah, like is this what you're right? thinking <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those sorts of things. The other thing I think that falls into this sort of busy work category, and it can be really cumbersome, especially when you're starting, is just like ridiculous amounts of compliance training. <laughs> yes. It, but it, and it's not meaningful. I know there are some modules that are really important. Like we did a child safeguarding one. That was actually really interesting content. Mm. It's obviously incredibly important. One I think everyone should do. But then there's some stuff around like, oh, not opening a scam email. And some of the mm. content is so ridiculous and you're like you're clicking through you're not reading like tick 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 and like it's like you're not actually getting much out of it no and I think then you don't actually pay attention to the ones that you should be paying attention to like I don't want to do a 30 minute module on the workplace values Mm. like I can read the Mm -hmm. synopsis about that like it can be covered in my you know induction meeting or whatever but I'm happy to do make the compliance training about stuff that's Uh actually like legally 
required. Yeah. And the like multiple choice questions at the end are inevitably so stupid that it's so you don't have to read it you can just go and do the questions because it'll be two super Mm. ridiculous answers and one obvious answer it's like at least make it so that we have to think about this yep the next sort of bucket of things that we spoke about that are really frustrating about a corporate workplace is always being told that mental health and well-being is important but when it comes down to it it's just not Mm -hmm. so i don't know how many people will say oh we're going to look after your like mental health we'll organize like some meditation mm-hmm. free or they'll plug the employee assistance program which some can be really great but it's mm. almost like that's where it ends yeah um and so they do all these things but then you know they're still well, they say the, all these things yes and then yep <laughs> and then they're still you know out of the blue teams call which we all know i hate if you've listened to previous episodes it's like ah like video call me out of the blue <laughs> yeah or things like a phone call sometimes is okay but yeah. it's like you know, unnecessary like pressure or like, Mm -hmm. you know, unnecessary fake senses of urgency, Mm -hmm. like things that really don't really matter. Yeah. But you're being told it has to be done by, you know, four o'clock or whatever. And again, I think it's those things like multiple or too many team meeting check-ins. It's like, do you trust us or not? We're going to, if we're going to have one, you know, we're going to do twice a day, top and tail of the day. We're going to have an extra, um, you know, full team meeting each week. Like I'm working from home. I get that those touch points can be really important Mm. and really good, but I think it can be like, let's look at the timing with which we're doing this. Is it, is it a check-in or is it like, oops, are we all still logged on at 4.30 on a Friday? You know, like I just think Mm. like, it's just, it can be really a difficult line to walk. I'm sure as a manager, but Mm. you can say a lot through little things like that. Yeah, or I think it's when you do it but you don't give any, like, recognition or an opportunity for the employee to say, oh, no, that doesn't – like, they don't – you doesn't don't create – yep. Yeah, you Never don't create – Yeah, there's no discussion. Or, you know, if you're teamsing them and they don't respond to your call straight away, you're messaging them, like, two minutes later mm-hmm. being like, hey, where are you? I need to talk to you, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And it's like, oh, I've just gone to get a drink and then they feel guilty because they're working – it seems yes. like they're not doing anything and it's – Yep, and you're, yeah. like, you're like, literally like, oh, I was in the toilet. Like, what are you supposed yeah, to say? But you feel guilty. Like, yes. um, But also putting meetings in when – you haven't checked someone's calendar. One, ask them if they're free. But if you've got Outlook, for example, which probably a lot of people in the corporate world do, you can go scheduling assistant and actually look. See. The amount yep. of times I've had to just move other things because someone's put a meeting in, like mm-hmm. a, you know, a manager or something like that has put something in that I've just had to make work. And sure, I know that sometimes needs to happen, but sometimes a text or being like, oh, look, this is the only time we have available. Can you make that work? It just goes a long way. Definitely. I also think what falls into this bucket is being voluntold to Oof. do things. And... This often as well, I think there's, there probably is some research around this somewhere. I'm pretty sure, I don't know where I've read it. Clearly, I can't think of any of my sources today. Um, but this often disproportionately falls to women, like it's women to organise the team lunch or women Bring to organise the, the Christmas party or the, you know, you're doing one of those off-sites and, you know, it's on a small group of people to organise like the morning tea break activity mm-hmm. or the guest speaker or the whatever. And it's kind of like you're being told to do it. It's in addition, you know, it's no, there's no consideration to yep. what other things you might have on your plate at that time or whether that's achievable or not mm-hmm. or those sorts of things. Yeah. And again, it's sort of that maybe pressure to put your hand up to do stuff mm. where it's left, like it's put out there, it's hanging in the air, like we really need someone to do this. And, you know, as a people pleaser, I'll inevitably be like, yeah, sure, regardless of what's on my plate. But it's like, no, like you don't always need to do Do you that. find as well you want to throw it out there because everyone else is sitting in silence and silence yes. is really uncomfortable? And I hate sitting in silence. I'm like, oh, how long is this going to sit? I've become – I'm getting better at it. Sometimes I'm like, just try and enjoy that silence. Well, see I what think happens. learning to embrace silence is definitely a oh. skill, something I'm trying to employ a little I bit. I need to work on that. Yes. <laughs> yes. What else is frustrating about a workplace? Oh, our other bucket was around um, – 
talking the talk but not walking the walk and I guess that's that it probably you know it relates to that that mental health piece as well how we talk you know they talk about it's so important um your, your mental health is so important to us um but then it doesn't fall into action so that can be things also like unnecessary hierarchy and um gatekeeping uh, of information which can be really awful and you feel like, oh, well, clearly I'm not um, – well, they don't trust me enough to bring me in on this conversation, but they'll talk about how important it is and we've got all this stuff in the works. And and it's also stuff like that, you know, oh, I was on the phone, um, you know, to the CEO last night really late or I worked half the weekend or just that, that sort of information dropping. Um, and it's almost like, are you saying this to make me feel bad that I didn't do it or um, should I also be doing that? And it can just make you feel a little bit, um, I don't know, just not – unempowered yes that's the one that's the one unempowered <laughs> yeah I think the the hierarchy things are really like big one in this because I think a lot of organizations and workplaces talk about oh you know people are empowered they can do things like not everything has to be you know rolled up or taken up the run up the flagpole mm-hmm. or whatever and it's um you know people are meant to be empowered to make decisions and you know reducing that busy work and that mm-hmm. governance but then you know everything has to be reviewed by mm-hmm. your manager and their manager and their manager's manager yes. and signed off and you're not actually you know, empowered to do it it's that uh, talking the talk not walking the walk 100 yes. percent. i've experienced that a fair bit and it's like and and you you know you muster up the courage to bring something up and say oh i think something needs to happen about this it wasn't quite and and it's put back on you yeah but you know you could be doing that or um it's not always up to us as your managers to do this it's like actually yeah. in this case it is sometimes it is and it does come from the top like yeah and yeah of course there's a place for standing up and you know putting your own hand up and speaking up and um doing what you can and we all should be but yeah. sometimes it's like oh actually that's a bit gaslighting <laughs> yeah i think the other thing we didn't even have this on the list but the other thing i think that falls in this if you're in a a workplace that they just pay lip service to like diversity and inclusion so mm. it's like oh we really want to you know support women to move into leadership roles but they have an all male executive team mm-hmm. or you know we really want to support like indigenous people in employment but they have no managers that yep. are first nations people or yep. you know including people in a disability but you, you see no people with a disability yep. in the workplace so I think all of those sorts of things fall into this bucket as well it just becomes really toxic yeah that's it yeah I think um also jargon mm-hmm. falls in this as well because I think that comes down to that piece of like you know creating a culture where everyone's accepted and everyone's included and then you're met with managers who use things like you know let's not boil the ocean <laughs> or um so many things like actually where our conversation started was like oh gosh corporate corporate jargon leverage oh leverage <laughs> low-hanging fruit let's circle back or revert I quite I, like revert but still like <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth for that. Yes, how's your bandwidth? Actually, but it's nice to be asked how your bandwidth is before someone chucks work on you. But yeah. Let's take this offline. Code uh, for, like, I don't have the answer right now. We're, like, not okay to raise in this environment. We'll talk later. That used to be a big pet peeve of one of my old managers. Mm-hmm. So he'd be like, we're in a, you know, an in-person meeting. And oh, someone will go, oh, let's take this offline. And he'll be like, we are offline. We're not <laughs> online. Let's... <laughs> Yes, I love the one. Run it up the flagpole. Yeah, I think I said that before, oh, but that sorry. was in jest. That was in jest. <laughs> I see. I think there's a, probably a place for all these. We're, we're taking the Mickey out of them, but I've certainly used a lot of them. But uh, yeah. it's just like what you know. It's just the kind of people drop it in a meeting to like. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it was know. actually when I did a little bit of research into this, um, I found a um, journal article talking about it, and it actually showed that they're more likely to be used by. Um, basically like low-level employees and it's sort of a compensatory mechanism to make up for what they perceive as a lack of status. Mm -hmm. 
So we're gonna I think that's why you probably see it in like truth. yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> where you kind of find them in probably like a lot of middle managers and things using this terminology. Yeah. What about so acronyms like C O B? Oh, B A U. Yep, E O D. Or when people try to turn acronyms into what is it when that you can actually call it a word? Oh, so like when you say got um, SMEs for subject matter mm-hmm. experts and they call them sneeze. <laughs> mm. <laughs> let's get our ducks in a row. Let's break put, down the silos. Mm, let's get those boots, boots on, on the, the ground. ground. If you ever want a, your good feel of corporate jargon in a very like lighthearted setting, Utopia on ABC. Love. Classic. It's so it's just too real. And that's what makes it so funny, but it's also like really upsetting because you're like, this is actually how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think the other thing when it comes to talking the talk and not walking the walk, not walking the walk, sorry, I cannot talk today, (laughs) is around, yeah, work-life balance. So Mm -hmm. things like, oh, we want you to have a work-life balance, but we're going to bring you back in five days per Mm -hmm. week and you have to be here nine to five and all of that sort of stuff as opposed to you can't, if you go out for a meeting, you have to... Uh, so if you go out for an appointment, you have to make up that time yeah. back later and that sort of thing. That's it. Instead of just that little bit of trust, it's mm. like we, we know you are doing your job, you're getting the work done. Mm. So if you're at home, I'm not going to check on you five times because I know that you work hard. And if you have to go out for an appointment, go for it. Like yeah. I would like to think, I'd like to hope that I'll be that kind of manager one day. Like I know, um, you know, it's stressful and you have people you're reporting to and you have to be accountable for your team. But an empowered team is going to be a productive team, is going to be a happy team that's going to stay and you know and be a strong team. Yeah. I think it's also this shift away from, you know, the eight-hour day. I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast before, maybe, um, was sort of invented around the whole idea of like billable hours. So it used mm. to be, you know, nine to five. I think that's actually, I think it was lawyers that created it mm-hmm. or kind of the pres- precedent for it back when it was introduced in like the 50s or whenever it was. And it was the idea that you would, yeah, bill those hours from nine to five mm. and that you would work the defined hours whereas now we're sort of moving um into a new sort of phase of phase of work when you're less being paid for the hours you work and more so being paid for the work that you do mm-hmm. and I think more progressive workplaces are definitely taking that view it's kind of like you know I've had I've very fortunate to have a, a manager and have managers in the past who were sort of like you know as long as you're largely you know doing your nine till five mm. and the work is getting done by the time it needs to get done by and you're in meetings when you need to be there they don't really mind if you yeah. duck out for an appointment yeah. here or there or whatever because they know that, okay, well, if you start at 10 one morning because you went to the dentist mm. but there's a deadline by five, you'll still do what you need to do to get yeah. it done. And know that you there's going to be a few nights where you are working till six, seven, eight o'clock, like, you know, when you're on deadline, when things are happening. Yeah. And that then that kind of ebbs and flows. I think we've touched on a lot of this, like, in our Toxic Workplace, that, yeah, episode. Um, but it's, it's almost like that kind of – what goes around comes around, a little bit of workplace mm-hmm. karma where, you know, you, you, it ebbs and flows. There's going to be busy periods, there's going to be quieter periods and that's okay as long as you are getting your job and as long as you're delivering, as long as you're, you know, being a good employee. Yeah, <laughs> I agree and I hope that, yeah, a lot of this stuff will sort of start to fall by the wayside a little bit and then, like you say, and when we're both managers and that sort of thing, hopefully one day, um, yeah, sort of leading a more empowered workplace where mm-hmm. people can sort of structure their work around their lives and feel free and comfortable um, to, you know, raise. Like I think it was in, there was a stat in the um, Deloitte report around how many people feel comfortable or empowered to talk to their manager about their mental health. Mm. Uh, and I think it was thirty um, percent yeah. that are, which I think actually surprisingly high for me because I was I was concerned it would be a lot lower, but thirty percent is still very low. Yeah. Um. And you know, if you're having just a really really awful day, to be able to say, look, I'm not my day. I'm not on my game. Um. You know, I might need to log off a little bit early. Just take a moment. Like. There's, there's a place for that, I think. Mm. And I would hope that, you know, we're talking about the future of work mm. and future of workplaces, that that is that continues to be normalised. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. Great chat, Tegan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a shorter episode, but I think, yeah, we just wanted to, yeah, off the back of that discussion we had around that new law, just have a chat about it. And we'd love to hear what you guys think. What are your workplaces? What do you think that new law will mean for you in, and mm. in your workplace? Can you see it having impact? Can you see it not? Um, and yeah, what, what would you hope to see from your workplace of the future? So we'll put some stories up on Instagram and we would love to hear it. Thanks as always for coming along and for listening and having a chat with us and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. The Brunch Files would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live, meet, work and play, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and of course any First Nations peoples who may be listening today. This podcast is all about the adventures, stories and laughs of being a woman in her 30s. While we strive to entertain and share relatable experiences, please remember that our content is purely for fun and shouldn't be taken too seriously, and it's definitely not professional advice. Life is a wild ride and everyone's journey is unique. We believe that laughter is the best policy and we're just here to spread some joy. Mm